Hello, and welcome back to Parallel Passion. Before we begin, I'd like to sincerely thank everyone who supports the show on Patreon. The patronage keeps rising, and I'm very grateful for that. If you wish to join the awesome patrons of the show, go to patreon.com slash parpasspot, or follow the link in the show notes. You'll not only be supporting this podcast and the idea behind it, but you'll also receive some awesome stickers and maybe even a special surprise. Today, I'm joined by Sebastian Gressel. I've known him for a while as an event and meetup organizer, but our story goes way back. I don't want to spoil it here, since we talk about it in the episode, and you should just listen to it. So here's Sebastian. Hey, Sebastian, welcome to Parallel Passion. Hello. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm so happy to have you on. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> great. So um, why don't we start by you like shortly telling who, who you are, what you do? So I'm Sebastian. I'm from Austria, but I live in Amsterdam. I work for Red Hat as an engineer. I do mostly JavaScript and Ruby development. And so that's the short answer, I guess. I'll start with our uh, sort of origin story, I guess. Um, yeah. Let's, let's talk about Spring Festival. <laughs> Yeah, so this is the story I wanted to start with as well. So there is a or was a festival in a town or city close by my hometown uh, called Spring Festival. And I used to visit it a couple of times as well as Miha. And the funny story is I was looking at photos of this festival all the time and I was seeing Mr. Photo. <laughs> And a couple of years uh, later, we realized that we both were Ruby developers and we were into uh, Rails Girls workshops and helping out there and organizing them. And uh, eventually we met at a Rails Girls workshop in Maribor. Going back to Spring Festival, this yes. was the first festival that actually hired me to be the official photographer. Um, so for me, it was like a, a huge honor to be there. I was super, super happy to be. And like, it it remains one of my favorite like club festivals. Um, and it was, it was so good. Like, I don't know if it's still going on now, but back then it felt like the whole city of Graz was uh, living for this, for this festival. Yes, yes, very much. So uh, when this festival was, it was always in spring. That's why it's called Spring Festival on a long weekend. And Graz was full with people and full of, with great artists. And now it scaled down a bit because I guess they went a little too big for Graz, but um it's still ongoing, but with less less prominent names and more Austrian artists, and a little bit smaller. Mm. But back then, yeah, it was it was pretty nice because you could go from club to club within ten minutes by foot, and that was pretty much uh, the whole city. Yeah, yeah, the, the all the well, at least from my perspective, all the clubs were involved, and every club had the sort of theme of what kind of music was there, like what kind of uh, what kind of genre you could expect there. Yeah, and um, it also like included one of my well, just no, my favorite club hands down, which is Dominberg. Um, it's just so good. Like, why doesn't every city have that? <laughs> it's just... Yeah, it's it's an it's an amazing location. It's a unique location. You cannot have this in every city because not every city has a little hill in their center, which has a huge cave inside and lets people dance in there. Yeah, it's a lot of artists are impressed by that. I guess as well. Yeah, for the first time when like I was looking at the map and it directed me to the hill, I'm like, okay, so it's on top of the hill and then like you go inside and then yeah, inside yeah. there's a hole and in the hole inside the hill there's like uh, just banging music. It was so yes. awesome. Like it's just oh, yeah. so good. It, it's funny because you don't suspect it from the outside. Yeah, of no. course, when there is a festival, there are huge lines, but... Sometimes when there were parties there, uh, you didn't see any person outside and inside. And it's just like sites are a perfect location because you can have very loud music and not disturb anyone. And it's still yeah, basically yeah. in the city center. Yeah. Um, it, it's also there's a location upstairs on the hill, which is also amazing. Like This is actually my second favorite location from the festival. It's It used to be a prison in the dark ages. No. 
Probably not. <laughs> but it used to be a prison at some point, and they made it into a concert location. And ah, cool. Have you been up there? I think so. I, I think that's where Moderat play, where you were in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, again, one of my favorite events. <laughs> well, I've I've seen no, I've never seen Moderat. I've always just seen Mode Selector. Actually, they're good. They're great. I saw them twice. <laughs> they're yeah, I can imagine they are good, but Moderat is not the same as Mode Selector. It's, yeah. So what what brought you to Spring Festival? Like I am guessing you were going there before I was there, and like um, you you were like um, just into into partying, or were you more there for music? Like what brought you to the festival? Mm, a, a little of everything. I'm I like music a lot, and it's always been part of my life. But uh, early twenties is most most likely the time when you go out for partying more than for music mm. but spring festival had a good balance of both so you could go out and still listen to great artists so when you say music has always been a part of your life did you study any of it like did you go to like attend any music school as a child or something like that uh, well i did for half a year i played the contrabass but that didn't work out oh man do you have any pictures i'd, I'd love to see that oh <laughs> i, I I might have some, but <laughs> looking for them is probably uh, looking for a needle in a haystack. Um, no, but um, I appreciated music and I collected music heavily and um, always thought I don't have a musical talent, actually. But as, as I got to know more and more electronic music and also got more into computers and software development, I saw that you can actually make music with computers pretty easily. And uh, yeah, at the beginning, it was just more of an interest, but it's evolving into a little bit more. Yeah, that's that's the reason I'm asking, because now you have the, the full equipment yeah. and you are producing your own songs. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to your SoundCloud. Um, but uh, do you have any like inspiration in, in certain genre or do you just want to experiment and see what happens or produces i think an overstatement i try things out um i do invest in music equipment a lot at the moment and just want to see what i could do and genre wise i don't think any artist in the beginning sets out to be uh well they have a specific kind of music they like and that's what they try to imitate and from that point i'm interested in everything i like good produced indie music i like uh electronic music that is more experimental i like post-rock so it's all a little bit and it's also more the technical side that i'm interested in so not sound engineering is not something that i would stay away from I would love to be more in that as well. So at the moment, it's more exploring, not something specific. How long ago did you did you start producing or like, yeah, I know you don't want to call it uh, producing, <laughs> but it's still like it, the end result is uh, a song. So uh, you are producing a song. Uh, even uh, on Rails Girls, even though you can't say it's actually coding, yeah. the end result is something you code. So it's still like... Yeah, it's, it's true. It's true. So when when did you start? The interest developed over time. I didn't have much time in my 20s to do that because I was partying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and now, uh, because I was also working a lot. And so in the last three years, I started to buy equipment and really buy software as well and get into that. Do you just do it for, for fun, like a hobby, like I do this podcast? Or, yeah, yeah. Or do you have uh, some higher aspiration? Yeah. At the moment, it's more it's more fun, but of course, I if you don't have dreams, you cannot plan towards anything. So, sure, I, I imagine someday standing on a stage and playing music to other people, but that's more of a dream at the moment. Um, it's more of a hobby, and it's a good balance to to work. And do you see yourself more as a, a DJ or like a live uh, live producing the, the song? So I, I I don't want to be specifically a musician or specifically a DJ or mm -hmm. um, I th I'm 
more the kind of person that spreads their interest over a wide range of topics. And then I can grab a little bit from everything and go deeper in some stuff that I'm more interested in, but still have knowledge of other stuff as well. What was the most surprising to you when, when you started uh, making music you, yourself? Like, what, what didn't you expect? Mm, it, I did expect it, but there is just so much you can do. You can, <laughs> it, there is an endless amount of plugins or an endless amount of synthesizers you can use and an endless amount of effects and processing you can do to sounds. It's just overwhelming in a point a way maybe you should just narrow it down to like a couple of yeah tools. yeah that's that's something you should definitely do when you start with something new just limit yourself to to things uh, that don't overwhelm you as much mm -hmm. but still you want to have everything <laughs> Yeah, and then you end up like dead mouse, and like uh, yeah. there's a there's a video I'll put in the show notes, and then Linus visited dead mouse, and and oh yeah, yeah. that studio tour. I mean, oh my god! Yes, I, I would love to be in that room with those synthesizers <laughs> just for a day or more. Yeah, that's just incredible. Yeah, there's just so much you can explore in music. Is there a particular artist you you look up to and like wanna imitate at least in the in the beginning? Mm, Im not imitate, but I there are a couple of artists I I respect. I would say, um, for example, John Hopkins. He mm -hmm. he does electronic music. It's almost it's so relaxing at points, but still has so much energy. Um, then there is also a duo from the UK, Mount Kimby. They are very experimental, but still have danceable music. And this is something I, I, I like about electronic music that there is always, it's evolving. Mm -hmm. Like electro electronic music now isn't what electronic music was 20, 30 years ago. Oh yeah, no, it's it's changing a lot. Yeah, and it's surprising to me um, how good it is because you sort of forget. But then I I hear a song that's like yeah, ten, fifteen years old, not even that much, but you can hear it sounds old. Yeah, yeah, definitely, of course. Uh, maybe maybe that's also because of the equipment because it was not as as good, mm. but. There's still music from 50 years ago that I like to listen to and it still holds up. Can you give an example? Um, how old is Kraftwerk? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, good example. Yeah. <laughs> Older. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love that. Uh, band. Yeah, Kraftwerk is one example. I would say they, they still hold up. You can play any record from them and it still sounds good. But it, of course is very minimalistic and that is what it gives away in terms of age i mm. think it's like uh kraftwerk is surprising to me because people did not understand what they were doing and they just called it like crowd rock or something like that yeah but like clearly like no this is not rock this is something new can you please appreciate it <laughs> yeah the last time i saw them actually last year they were in ljubljana and they are so old, like the, the guy could uh, at, at the end barely um, bow toward the crowd at the end. No. Uh, he's really old, but it was still it was so good. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah, they're, they're still good. I only saw them once live, unfortunately. But hopefully there will be another chance to get to see them. Yeah, I'm, I mean, Amsterdam is definitely a city where... Uh, yes big definitely. artists tend to come uh yeah no definitely a city with a lot of artists coming and going every week <laughs> do you do you still go out i don't go out as much but uh, only specific specific uh, events like digital or uh, amsterdam dance event mm. where i pick out some evenings that i go out and see one artist i as i said i went a lot out in my 20s and mm. 
What do you nowadays? What do you look for in uh, in an event like? Um, what makes you uh, go out? Uh, mostly the artist and the atmosphere uh, of the location. Most of the times, there are a few locations in Amsterdam that are really amazing. Uh, I would even say better than Dominberg in Graz. Mm -hmm. um, it's, for example, in an old shipyard where a little outside of the city or it's in um, Mark Cantina, which I guess was the cantina of the market there, um, turned into a club. Like they have just amazing atmospheres where you want to be and see a specific artist because you know it works well there. Yeah, that, I, I think uh, venue adds a lot to how how you feel. Yes. Like even yeah. Even if you know, even if you saw the artist before, um, if the like for me, I don't like um, big arenas. I much prefer smaller clubs. Yeah, um, the atmosphere is is much better in in general. You feel closer connection to to the artist. That is true. Yeah, that is true. Speaking of events, um, you are also uh, involved in organizing many events. Not uh, music, as far as I know, but definitely uh programming events like you mentioned rails girls before yeah not not as many events i did a few rose girls workshops one in rotterdam and one in linz together with floor a friend of mine um, she is mostly the main driver of these events and i just help out well but there were there were others that there, there was the the meetup that you were helping with right and uh, Rosconf? Yeah, yeah, Rosconf as well. This is something we did a couple of times in Vienna and Berlin. Uh, just a small event where we invited maintainers of open source projects in the Ruby community. And then also invited attendees to help out and work with the core maintainers on their project and make their first pull request. Yeah, I already talked a bit about Rosconf with Reita, who was a mm -hmm. guest in this podcast before yeah uh but you were there from the from the start so um who came up with the idea and and how how did floor. that happen <laughs> all, all floors idea um floor came up with the idea that she wanted to do uh, such an event and asked me if i wanted to help out and i jumped immediately on board and found the idea great and um we looked for people who would come as maintainers And we had also Piotr a couple of times who you also had on the podcast a while ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, as I said, Floor was the main driver. It was definitely her idea. And it worked out so well that after Vienna, we decided to do it in Berlin. And after Berlin, we took a little break and also did one event last year in Amsterdam for the first time. Mm. And do you uh, plan to do any more? Um, it's, I don't know, probably, maybe, but not soon. Mm. Yeah, I know right now yeah, the guys are planning uh, yes. the next Eruka, right? Exactly. They're, they're occupied with organizing Eruka in Rotterdam next, uh, this year. Yeah, it's 2019 already. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. It will take another two months till we are switched so your involvement there, like why why did you step up? Um, what um, inspired you to help with organization of of such stuff like uh, like events, like meetups, like all that? Um, in the beginning, when I started to work with Ruby, there were little communities in Austria, for example, uh, around Ruby, and it was just great timing because I wanted to start also get more involved in the Ruby community and saw a race girls workshop at a conference in Helsinki for the first time. And mm. I went back to Vienna and told friends about race girls and Floor wanted to do one as well. We had one in Vienna already, so we decided to go on Rotterdam. And it was just, I felt after years, programming in Ruby, it's time to also start giving back and getting involved in contributing back to the community side of things, not only code-wise. Uh, how common are Rails Girls events nowadays? Um, Rails Girls events are still happening. I think they're 
is one also coming up in Rotterdam around Ruko. Mm. Um, there are not as as many as there were in the beginning. In the beginning, there were 20 a month around the world. It has definitely slowed down, but the community is still there and workshops are still happening, not as frequent, but still. And there is also the risk of summer of code every year where then attendees of Rails Ghost workshops also go and work two months, I think, on an open source project. Were you ever involved with that? Uh, only a little, but not much. Yeah, that's always... Um like seemed very very cool from the distance mm -hmm. but it was the, the main is all the main thing is always happening in berlin and, and like that's too far for me yeah um as i remember it's uh, there are teams around the world and they also have local mentors so if you want to get involved it also works remote and they only have like a kickoff event and uh end event in berlin yeah, I I know I only help with the donation. I mean, it's, it's still something, right? <laughs> yeah, it helps. It helps. Um, donating to Resco Sum of Code is one thing I, I do also every year, just to help them out. Is there? A, are you involved with the local Amsterdam Ruby group? No, not at <laughs> all, actually. Uh, as I said, uh, Rosconf was the only thing that I did together with Laura, and she does the Amsterdam Ruby meetup at the moment together with Retta. Why Why did you move to Amsterdam, the most expensive city, as, as far as I saw? As soon as, as soon as Brexit happens, definitely the most ex expensive city in Europe. <laughs> it's, it's not as expensive. Rent is expensive. Yeah. Living is a little bit more expensive than in other cities, but yeah, I moved here because I wanted to be here and it gave, I had the opportunity then to move from Vienna to Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. Vienna got a little old and I was there for a while already. So it was just a nice move. Yeah, um, Vienna is definitely uh, an old city. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in general, it, it gets older when you're living there five plus years. Yeah, but uh, the the reason I ask is because you work remotely and you could literally yes. be anywhere. Like most people decide to go like digital nomad or move somewhere where things are cheap. So yeah, the the quality of life is like even increased even more. Yeah, I use the opportunity to address live in Amsterdam. What do you like about the city so much? First of all, it's a beautiful city. It's It feels very cozy, even though it's a city with global respect, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, people here are very nice. Dutch people are very open. And that's mostly it. I think... I think I fell in love with the Dutch people first because they're so friendly and they're so welcoming. <laughs> and there is not one day where I don't go outside and have a smile on my face because I saw something that was funny or that was charming or nice. And so... And and it's not just uh, because there's so much weed in the air that you just automatically are high as soon as you exit <laughs> the building. <laughs> no, it's it's not as as bad. Of course, in the touristy areas you can smell it all around, but where I live, a little bit outside of the center, it's not as present. <laughs> yeah, my experience uh, about what was it like a year ago. Um, when I was exiting the hostel, like immediately when I opened the door, it was just yeah. like a cloud yeah. of smoke. It's like, whoa, okay, right. I'm in Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah, that that is true. And uh, do you, as old Dutch, uh, have a have a bike? And do you use bike to go around the city? No. <laughs> and every Dutch person uh, tells me I should get a bike. I don't have <laughs> a bike. Well, I do have a bike, but I don't ride it. It's been sitting there for a few months. A friend of mine left it <laughs> um, and gave me the combination. But I most of the times walk. I like walking a lot and it's a lot more exercise, I feel, than just hopping on a bike, going somewhere and being back in five minutes. You can walk for a while and get some fresh air as well. Yeah, sure. But it's... Um, it's pretty big city for for walking like if you want to go yeah you, i think to cross the city it takes at least an hour or longer yeah. 
it's not as bad. I live about 10 minutes from the center, 15 minutes uh, by foot. It's okay mm. to walk there and back. But when I go further places, I'll just take public transport. Um, I, I know you used to uh, roller skate or rollerblade or, or yes. how that's at. Do you, do you do that in Amsterdam? I did that a couple of times in Amsterdam already. It's not as nice because there are <laughs> always cobblestones everywhere. Yeah, that's exactly what I had in mind. Yeah, that's a little bit unfortunate. But going around the parks is super nice in the summer. And also along the Amstel, there is a nice path to roller skate on. Mm. So you do it more for recreation, not so much for um, transportation. Yes, more for recreation, but also getting groceries sometimes within Linux. Like mm. There is a uh, something about you, like you have a lot of um, tattoos, and uh, I noticed that on pretty much everyone in in Austria. Yeah, and I wanna I wanna ask you, is this like an Austrian thing, or is this like your your personal thing? Like, how many do you have? Um, tattoos is not a very Austrian thing. I think it's more a Dutch thing. Oh, okay. Like I, I would say there are a lot more Dutch people than a lot than tattooed than Austrian people. Really? Do. Well, you know that yeah. my experience going to Austria every time is just like everyone has a tattoo. Just everyone. Like I, I it's you were in Vienna. In, in Vienna and in Graz. Yeah, Vienna oh. and Graz is our cities. Yeah, <laughs> uh, on the countryside is a whole different story. Like my mom that didn't like at the beginning that I have tattoos. I now have eight, I think, or nine. I always forget one, but I think it's eight. Mm. Um, it's more of a personal thing. It took me also a while till I got my first tattoo, which I got only about nine years ago so when i was 26 mm -hmm. i went to the tattoo shop and said i want to have um, my first tattoo and uh, after that i really got into it and got five tattoos within six months so yeah it grew very quickly on me <laughs> i haven't had one in a long time but i plan to do one it's always hard to decide on a new one do you do them for like to remember certain things or to like um, associate with something or do you just do them for like because they look nice? Mm, they are a little bit to remember certain things or certain uh, moments in my life or just to remember me, uh, remind me of something. So um, it's also a little bit fun. I like getting tattooed. It sounds weird, but it's a nice feeling. Mm, you enjoy pain. A little. It's <laughs> not It's not so much pain. It's just it's an uncomfortable feeling that you have to have to control a little bit. And it's discipline a little bit, I think. Um, yeah, so it's, it's more personal than just liking them and finding them nice. You should make one for leaving Facebook. I think that's a pretty uh, big event. Uh, I didn't leave Facebook yet. Oh. So, no. Uh, no, that's, that's not something I want to remember. I want to get away from Facebook. <laughs> we we discussed this a while back that you were um, deleting your old tweets. Mm -hmm. uh, do you want to uh, talk about that? Yeah, sure. So, I started to realize that social media is not good mm. for for like it, no actually social media is pretty amazing it allows many people to do things that weren't possible years ago but on a greater scale i think that that it takes a psychological toll on you mm -hmm. if you consume it uh, not very mindfully so I started deleting everything on Facebook and started deleting my tweets. And also, because then I can say, if they have it, um, I know I deleted it. So it's also a little bit of an experiment to see in how far Facebook really destroys your data at the end. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just realized also that uh, there are mechanics in Facebook and also now coming to Twitter that just make social media unusable for what 
it was thought to be like you could connect with your friends and family really easy and share certain moments which isn't true anymore i don't think that that every person in your friends list sees everything you post yeah definitely especially in the era where everyone has like 500 friends and 5000 followings exactly like there are, there are people who have 3000 friends i'm like this is crazy this is nuts like yeah it, it used to be a nice platform to to communicate with friends but it grew to a machine for marketing mm. in my opinion did you just delete them or did you go the gdpr way where you can request everything they have on you to be deleted and then except at least if they um would follow the law which uh, we know how it goes with facebook but if they did they should have deleted well everything yeah um i requested uh the archive that you can download from the website mm -hmm. on that i did but i did not request the whole data that they have on me and i started to delete uh, facebook entries just manually through the interface also to see how it is to delete stuff from facebook and it's horrible <laughs> it's a, a really a really bad task to do it's the ui is just made that you don't delete stuff i wonder why yeah exactly <laughs> uh, it's crazy and that made me even more not angry but just it's just so bad why would facebook do that they could do something better but well if you if you read the stories that are coming out lately well it uh, depends on when people are listening to this but given how it how it has been going i think there will be stories coming out all the time about what facebook is doing yeah um yeah <laughs> it's very bad it's very bad what they're doing it they just don't care yeah but i i think i told this to you that i we knew this were going this would be going on like i i think every developer or someone who is in the it business knows that these things at a certain scale just happen because the companies are too big and you cannot control everything yeah there's there is like the abuse of data which i uh, understand it's happening mm -hmm. but the story that recently came out at the time of the recording is the VPN app, which was banned by Apple. They just um, put a different skin on it, like left the code exactly the same mm -hmm. and released it uh, under on their uh, enterprise certificate and which you are not allowed to do. This just uh -huh. period you're not allowed to do. And they distributed it to people outside of their company to to use. And basically, um, if uh, listeners are, are unaware Long story short, all traffic goes through Facebook servers so they know exactly what they're doing, what you're looking, which apps you're using, just everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's creepy. And like that sort of thing. Like, yeah, as a developer, you know, there are like some match cases they might be doing some stuff like when Cambridge Analytica came out, we were like, yeah, we sort of suspected. But this is just, this is next level. This is really like spying, Yeah, directly spying. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, we maybe know what's behind this, but I wonder what's the greater good of this all is for Facebook. Like, how, why would they want to collect so much data, and who would they serve the data with? Like, mm. what what can they learn out of that? And the only reason I would say is just for marketing purposes and trying to sell whatever people want to sell to people yeah and uh, supposedly this is how they learned about uh, whatsapp popularity and then they bought whatsapp mm -hmm. so for them it it makes sense um to see what people are using and then yeah. just buy that company and with that basically ensure having a monopoly going forward yeah definitely which is scary right yes yes that's that's why i started deleting stuff and also started to tell people to use other messaging services because Facebook is just so crazy. And if people tell me, uh, do you have WhatsApp? I'm like, no, that's like, <laughs> it's just, 
potato potato there is no difference in that and as recently they also started saying that they want to unify the services to yep. be um just one messenger and this is going to be crazy yeah you you sent me that link and like mm. um i really don't use facebook much more or less just for promotion of of this podcast mm. and my my previous work um but instagram i really like and god damn like if they continue doing what they're doing i'll have to live it i guess yeah yeah i think that's is what's going to happen a lot of people are gonna be disappointed and off put by this and gonna just leave and hopefully there is soon a good alternative there where people can also go and share their photos and message friends do you think it's possible even like look at youtube nothing can bring youtube down it's a it's a shit show but everything else is just like you you cannot compete yeah i don't think it's that you can compete with it either but i think that you can also provide good alternatives that work maybe better than youtube at some point if they are widespread enough like most people count on decentralization mm-hmm that's what I'm betting on as well. I think that there are going to be services that can interconnect rather than having one big central server or one big central application. Yeah, I I hope for that as well, like as a as a uh, IT person. Yeah. But looking at the past events of the past decade or two, it's going in completely other direction. Everything is bought by either uh, Google or Facebook or Amazon or Apple. Like this, these are our yeah, future yeah. overlords. Uh, a lot, a big part of this is going to be open source. I think if uh, if it's going to be a good alternative, it has to be open source. That such things cannot happen, and people cannot uh, dictate a certain direction for uh, projects. And um, an- another thing that's happening, which is relevant in this. Uh, thing because it's a podcast like i i love how podcast is for now mostly independent like podcasts are more or less self-hosted they are distributed Mm -hmm. there is like apple which controls the biggest podcast directory but they're just like an rss aggregator not much more um and every app is sort of independent but even in this area like uh, just today there was a news that uh, spotify bought gimlet media and anchor which are both big companies um, focusing on podcasts alone. And now they're owned by Spotify. And of course, the the fear is that Spotify will just uh, make them available only on Spotify. Yeah. Um, and that's not great. Yeah. But do you think this could happen? Uh, as you said, podcast is still decentralized and doesn't have one big main service. I don't think that Spotify buying that would change that if it's already at the point i don't know i mean if if you remember like 10 years ago when youtube were just uh was just beginning there was vimeo was about the same size Go- there was google video mm. there was a lot of local self-hosted um, videos but that everything just went away as soon as google bought youtube and started like heavily investing in it yeah yeah uh, still i i think that there is a chance that for example youtube can uh not be beaten but that there can be alternatives and they are already it works not because uh, youtube is a central service but because youtube is making it impossible for creators to make money yeah that's why everyone's doing merch now yeah exactly and what are the alternatives for you right now like for social networks for for messaging like where where are you or where do you see um like some alternatives that are coming um, so for messaging, it's mostly signal. I use or try to use with as much people as possible. There are not as many people on signal as they are in WhatsApp, but yeah. Um, signal is one good alternative. There's also matrix, which is promising for messaging. So that's what we use for, um, our community at work, mm-hmm. which works really good in terms of social networking uh, or having an alternative for Facebook. I think going back to a personal website is, <laughs> is the good thing. Um, and that's also what I think is going to happen that people are starting to build their own websites 
again and having features that can interact with other websites. There is at the moment uh, an initiative by Tim Berners-Lee who uh, proposes Solid, which is socially linked data, if I'm correct. Okay. And it so another solid acronym with which means something else. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it it they propose uh, protocols and markup to make websites interconnect and also allow for standardized activity streams that you can just aggregate through one big social network if you want to do that or not, and also um, also have permissions set for certain content types so you can control who sees what very nicely but there were experiments of distributed social networks before right there was the yes the uh, diaspora yeah and that didn't go anywhere and uh, you have the um, what is it mastodon or what's it called yeah the twitter uh, alternative yeah they're all still in the very early stages i think what is happening around them and that is what i think most people don't see is that there is standardization work happening in the background so there mm. is now a foundation that is pushing for social network standards um, to just be able to interconnect and all applications like diaspora mastodon and uh, others are using these protocols and integrating them into their applications so they can work together so it's still happening and ongoing, but it's still early because um, that I would say that going down of other social networks is not in full gear yet. Mm -hmm. But taking down our um, IT hat, um, do you think regular people care right now? Like even because even with everything that we know Facebook is doing and um, everyone just like signs over their their data their privacy they're just like oh i have nothing to hide no i don't think that regular people care they they are not aware of that they will at some point see that people use facebook less and less and that's going to be interest uninteresting for them to use it but uh they won't care about facebook having shared their data they of course are going to be uh they're gonna scream scandal but they yeah it's just another another abuse by a big corporation of people what do you usually say to to people when they say ah i have i have nothing to hide oh that's sure you don't have nothing to hide but my example and this is also not the case for everybody is if you're working for example for a company you share something on social media which you shouldn't uh, because you're working for a certain company then there are going to be risks and uh, consequences at some point for you mm -hmm. so uh, yeah social media is so much more than than most people think it is it's not just sharing a photo it's sharing a photo and your location and your face and everything associated to you on the internet and that is i think concept that is hard to understand mm -hmm. there was a really good article that i'll try to find and put in the show notes um not that long ago um which was just about um, location uh, sharing because there are a lot of weather apps which genuinely need location to show like uh, correct uh, correct weather right yeah but a lot of them uh, are just uh, having way way too precise uh, location and then they share it with uh, uh, third parties or whatever yeah and the article was about everything that they can find out about uh, just your location data they don't need much else they can they can uh, find out like your religion based on if you go mm -hmm. to church or which church you go to they can um find out like what kind of music you like based on what kind of clubs you go to or what kind of venues you go to. They can figure out uh, if you go to the gym, if you do any sorts of like uh, activities and uh, they, they can figure out like whether you're straight or gay. It's incredible. Exactly. It's incredible what you can just yeah. mine just from location data. Yeah, yeah. And it, it just shows that how, how complex this all 
can get just by sharing one photo. And this is, as I said, a concept that most people cannot comprehend. It's like a huge universe for them. And how do you think we can educate the, your regular consumer that um, this is bad and they should do something about it? Talking to them and trying to explain and hope they understand and just making good examples. And <laughs> yeah, I think it is very much uh, something that people in our industry have to do and just be very nice and educate others and say they must realize how this affects them mm. and how this can be used against them at some point and that it's not just an entry in the database but so much more there's also a um, good show that was on netflix recently called you um, it's a stupid title but um, it's uh, mm -hmm. very much about this like how one guy was a stalker ish and and uh, looked into a girl and just based on stuff that she publishes online which i mean yeah sure this is this is drama yeah. right so yeah. it's it's uh, exaggerated but not that much just by stuff you post you can find out pretty precise like location what do you do where do you work um where do you live even that's that's not that hard um especially like one of the things people might not know in our circles even is that if you have a domain most likely you don't have who is privacy which means i can mm -hmm. just look at uh, your domain and, and see your exact address yeah. which you probably have there yeah exactly yeah but you know on on the other hand it's very useful for doing a podcast <laughs> just finding out everything about other people just oh yeah i'll, I'll look it up on twitter look it up on instagram look it up on facebook yeah, exactly and i know a lot of things that i can talk about yeah uh, i i think also tv shows are very good for educating others about those problems there was a black mirror a few years ago which mm -hmm was also on netflix and friends of mine watched it and i i didn't to this day see any episode of black mirror oh really but but people were telling me about this and i'm like yes this is i realized that this can happen because i know it can i work in the business and <laughs> others were just were just amazed by how much can go wrong is there a particular reason you didn't watch black mirror um, just because I know what it was about and I think I'm scared enough already. <laughs> um, yeah, also Mr. Robot was a really good show that I think showed uh, people not in IT how things work mm -hmm. as a hacker. So what do you fear most? Like why, what's the end goal of leaving all the social networks? Um, as I said in the beginning, it takes a toll on your psyche i think a little bit you were craving much more than you should i believe mm -hmm. and it's just to to not be it, it sort of is an addiction and just not to be addicted to that anymore is the end goal i believe because there's so much so much more nice things in the world to see than a computer screen and what your friends or not friends did last weekend such a weird thing for a developer to say yeah yeah <laughs> so what was the uh, original reason that like what pissed you off most about about facebook and like when when did you decide oh i'm leaving this so the reason why i loved facebook in the beginning was because i was using it mostly for messaging with friends and family and since everyone was on facebook i could write them easily on facebook but then, um, and uh, that was a few years later, after everyone was already on Facebook, mm -hmm. they shut down the XMPP gateway, oh. which allowed you to connect to Facebook chat huh. with your favorite instant messaging client. And after that day, it was, I knew that's, that Facebook is going to be a, a network I have to leave sooner mm -hmm. than later. Mm -hmm. It still is years ago but after xmpp was shut down like it was unusable for me and it just made you more uh, go to the website which mm -hmm. i didn't like yeah I, I didn't even know they, they did that like i um yeah. i know i installed messenger when it was a separate app and then immediately deleted the facebook app um but i think uh, what like half a year ago 
I was like, no, this has to go as well. And I, yeah. I deleted Messenger. Like, I know, I still have Instagram on. So if they're spying, they're probably spying through Instagram still. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, there's also much creepier situations where where you think that something is listening in and at some point you're talking about soy milk and soon as you open your Facebook or Instagram app, you see soy milk advertisement and you're like, what the fuck? No, well, just uh, every time, every time we go um, in, in this deep waters, maybe uh, I should have a more fun podcast. <laughs> uh, no, it's good to talk about these things. Uh, yeah, and someone has to, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so let's go to the, to the good stuff. Um, what would be three things? Uh, so this could be books or articles or videos or whatever that you can recommend to the listeners that made like an in impression on you that changed your life, like something like that. Mm, a good book that I recently, or it's already a few years ago, it's, um, what was it called? Uh, how to learn not to give a fuck. <laughs> uh, it was a very good book that a lot of people around me also read and it's about in short to just learn and not care so much about little things and embrace a more free and careless lifestyle mm -hmm. um, yeah that would be one thing then uh, number two is uh short video time well spent it's a short video that also illustrates how social media and social media apps and notifications affect us in a very short video actually mm -hmm. it's super nice to watch and a third thing um the national is a good uh, band that i listen to a lot when i want to relax it's very good music that's something I would recommend. Great. It's a, a at least slightly higher note. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not good with questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, you are great. Uh, well, thank you so much for, for being a guest. Thank you for having me. Oh, my, my pleasure as always. And um, hopefully I'll see you soon in some Amsterdam event. Yeah. Uh, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right. This was my interview with Sebastian. I would love if you would share this podcast with your friends and followings. Send them a message, tweet it out, or write a Facebook post. You want them to listen to a good podcast, right? If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, you would truly make my day if you post a review there. I get a lot of DMs, but no one else sees those. Reviews are there for everyone to see, and they help other people discover good shows. Like, you know, this one. If you use a different app like Breaker, Overcast, or anything that supports liking or favoriting, I'd appreciate your action there as well. You can also support this podcast with money. I know that right now you're probably running, driving, walking a dog or doing dishes. But when you come back to your computer and your hands have dried, I invite you to go to patreon.com slash That's patreon.com slash P-A-R-P-A-S-P-O-D. Or open the show notes and follow the Patreon link there. Thank you. You can find the show on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. We are at Parapaspot on all of them. All the links from this episode are in the show notes and on our website parallelpassion.com slash 23. Thank you for listening and have a passionate day.